0: Hey, welcome back to the podcast A few weeks ago I was at a leadership conference And I caught up with my friend Pastor Jennifer Jensen She's a restart pastor in the Chicago area And we had a chance to just chat about her story um, So first I need to just tell you We were in a huge convention center And really there was just no quiet place I'm not even sure that the bathroom was quiet There may have been a custodial closet we should have tried to find. But anyway, we were at one of the vendor booths. And so I just decided we would record it anyway. Did my best to edit out some of the background noise. Although the first five minutes, there was this rowdy group like right next to us in the booth. So the first five minutes are a little sketchy. But then she starts to share her story of how she came to faith in Christ and then her call. And you really want to hang around for that. She has a great, great testimony of God's faithfulness in her life. Not just in her soul, but also in her ministry. And God's doing great things there. So I really want you to stick around, listen to that. And I have some more guests lined up that you are going to want to hear in the next few months. And we're looking forward to, I'm looking forward to what God is going to do Um, through those stories, and how he is going to use them to encourage you. So enjoy the episode. We really need to tell better stories, instead of complaining about it, right? What if we just start telling the stories, and really flood the airwaves with something different?
1: So I am... Jennifer Jensen, the lead pastor at Giving Hope in Moments, Illinois. With your new logo. With our new logo, yes. And you're doing a restart, right? Sort of. It's not exactly a restart because we are maintaining our original legal name, and so technically we're still Moments First Church of the Nazarene, but... We're sort of building on it and changing direction a little bit. And one of the things that we've done is sell all of our property and move our group of worshipers into a storefront. So instead of being in a neighborhood, now we're kind of in the downtown area. Don't mistake me, this is not downtown Chicago. This is downtown Little Town, USA. But it is down in the middle of where the people are gathered during the weekends. It's near the local bars and the local barber shop and the karate places around the corner. And uh, everybody's favorite restaurant is right there. so we're we're kind of in that kind of a space, downtown, everywhere USA in Moments, Illinois. That's pretty cool. Do you have a picture window? That's what I want to know in your storefront. Well, it's it's not a picture window. We do have three really big windows in the front. Um, but actually, everyone in town says, whenever I tell people where we are, they're like, oh, that's the old Huskau. I'm like, OK, I'm not sure what that word means. But, um, So from Detroit, remember. So, so my thought originally when I kept hearing this was the Houscal was like the jail, and you can see like the two windows actually were doors at one time because you can even see still the hinges. The ceiling inside is like a tin ceiling that's um, painted, so it's very old. But um, but then somebody else was like, oh, yeah, I used to go to the Huskow and, and get my nails done. And then um, I would go right next door and buy, um, and buy T-shirts and stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, Huskow's like a little mini mall. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what it means. And I probably should Google it, but I just have been a little bit nervous about Googling a word I have no context.
2: Well, how to stop. Or how to spell. Or how to spell. Exactly. But, but thinking of it as an old jail actually is kind of cool. It is. Comparing uh, a jail it to is. a church.
1: Uh, what's really interesting, though, is that this particular section of, of buildings, um, so the church, uh, the church uh, for moments has actually been in moments for over um, 74 years. In fact, this year in July would be our 75th anniversary of the original church. Well, I was going through some papers and I found a letter from a former pastor who sent me an old ad that said... Come and visit us at our location in downtown Moments at 108 North Dixie Highway. We're actually at 106 North Dixie Highway. There is no longer a 108 North Dixie Highway. So I'm pretty sure that part of the building that we're in is actually the building that the church originally inhabited. Is that not I mean, completely unbeknownst to us, uh, until we were packing everything up to move that we found this paper. And I was like, I sort of set it aside and wasn't paying too much attention to it until one day I was going through some things as we're getting ready to do a deconsecration service at the old place. That's
2: awesome. Uh, I want to know more about that. Have
1: you started planning it? uh, Not too, too much. I've done some looking for, I'm really looking for an appropriate liturgy. There's kind of two two directions you can go with it. One is kind of an official deconsecration service that you can kind of pluck out of various things. Uh, there's also the opportunity to kind of do something along the lines of sort of a funeral service type or a memorial service almost, where you're kind of saying, you know, this is this is what was. And this is what we're kind of burying now, right? but we have the opportunity to transition to someplace else that's sort of the resurrection space for this. And so we're going to start the service at the old location, and then we're going to move to the new location for refreshment. And that's really powerful, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, are you going incorporate anything about that? <laughs> I, I don't know if we're going to tie it in or not. I think we already have a lot. Happening right, uh, you know, In our community so Catholic, so that's yeah, my mind goes there. But. but we're a little more, um, we're a little more Dutch, so St. Patrick's Day isn't necessarily so yeah, you as, more, you know, would that be like Lutheran, then, right? Uh, Lutheran, uh, Dutch, I'm not sure why God thinks we still need the church ministering yeah. there because, quite frankly. You would think that we have basically all of the theological bases covered, but I think at least part of it is is that is that our objective isn't necessarily to be someone who's shifting populations from existing congregations, and more uh, a congregation of people who are uh, who are vet- invested in what's happening around us, and so our goal isn't necessarily to to. Um, increase our numbers as much as it is to uh to pour out and show the kingdom and what it can look like as a part of a community yeah it's more about giving ourselves away than trying to get everybody to come and sit in our pews which we don't even have pews On. Um, so not quite a year not quite a year i have the countdown on my phone because it's a reminder this okay. shift in my ministerial status i guess you get your call later yes so talk about how you grew up in the church i did i'm actually so i am the daughter of a uh, i'm actually a third generation nazarene Uh, my parents both grew up in valparaiso indiana and They had to move to Olivet to meet each other and get married. They knew each other, but they had to, you know, to fall in love, they had to go to Kankakee, apparently. Right. So that's what you did in the day. Uh, But uh, my dad was ordained in the Church of Nazarene and became, he was a church planter. We lived in Hammond, Indiana, and Buffalo, New York, and Kansas City, Missouri, and we moved a lot. And growing up, I know that uh, that my parents had some. Um, we had some challenges. I was the oldest of four kids. We were very, very poor, but but my dad always talked a lot about God's will, and we needed to do God's will, and so we were going to move where God took us. But the thing that I always sort of missed, and I'm sure, knowing my parents, that it was part of the conversation. But I always missed the idea of grace. It just somehow, even though I'm sure it was preached, I'm sure it was mentioned, I just missed it. It didn't register with me. And the reason why I know it had to have been truly a part of what was said is because my parents have been um, all my life. I have known for sure that my parents have completely unconditional love for me. They've never... Um, they've never been judgmental or um, of course they disciplined us you know but they were never uh, there was never a moment where i i thought oh dear i've done this and now my parents don't love me because they definitely exhibited that but for whatever reason in that context i never quite heard the connection or made the connection between that love and god's love and i'm sure it's not for lack of happening or being said it's just that for whatever reason i couldn't hear it so at 18 i knew everything there was to know about everything and i left home and got married uh in short order and i am grateful every single day for the grace that is my husband he is uh he is an amazing gift uh but for Uh, The next 20 years of my life, I went to church when it looked good and I was a practicing Hardcore at least agnostic if not atheist as much as possible Um, In fact, it it was almost a complete rejection of everything So uh, and I, in fact, uh, we were big bowlers. My husband's a, even now, he's a bowling coach. And I, we would go to bowling leagues and tournaments on Sunday mornings. And I would say, this is my church. These are my people. And the pins are my God. That was how hardcore embedded I was in not being uh, a Christian or having anything to do with God. Fast forward to... Two thousand eight, my husband almost died, and I made a point at that time of telling God that I was there was he was not going to get me that way, which seems like a strange thing for an atheist to sick. say. He was very sick. He had sepsis. He was in intensive care for six weeks. He was in um, he was completely bedridden for six months. He's fine now. Well, um, he's had continuing physical illnesses, but he is way better than he was then. I made a point of saying, nice try, God, (laughs) but you're not going to get me that way. So fast forward a year, and uh, my son graduated from high school. My parents came into town with my sister and uh, went to his graduation, and and they were like, well, where are we going to go to church on Sunday? Because, of course, they always went to church whenever they came to town. I was like, well... Uh, my church, that I never go to, is a <laughs> Lombard well, Church of the Nazarene. <laughs> so we went to the church. My daughter came with us because we were going to go out to dinner right afterwards, and then my parents and my sister were going to leave to catch their plane. They lived in California at the time, so it was a pretty far distance. So we went to church, and I, uh, I was very very proud of myself for not getting engaged in the service and when um, communion time came around, I sat very piously in my seat because I was not going to be a part of that. My whole plan was you know I come in, we do this, it looks good. great optics. my parents are happy, my sister is happy everything's great. Except what I didn't take into account is the fact that my daughter would sort of become surrounded by a bunch of teenagers that loved on her and made her want to be a part of their group. It totally wrecked everything. Because my daughter comes to lunch and she's like, oh, they're they're doing a camping trip and... They, I really want to go on this camping trip. And I'm like, okay, well, where are they going camping? And she's like, in Wisconsin. And I'm like, okay, well, you can't do that if I don't also know these people. Like, that's not going to happen. So I started going because I had to get to know them because I was going to let her go. I was going to see if she could go on this camping trip. I started going to church. which was not in my plan whatsoever. And over the summer, something happened. Well, the Holy Spirit happened, and, and Jesus kept saying to me, I love you, and, and there's this thing called grace that you completely missed from me, but I'm telling you now, you, you, need, to, you need to hear this from me. I love you. You are my child. I'm coming for you. And I kept saying, you know what? I, if this is truly what is going to happen, I am not doing this just because I'm nostalgic for something or I'm missing something. I want to do this because this makes sense and this connects. And so I started doing some research. I did research into denominations and doctrines and figuring out things. And I, over the course of like the next month and a half, I was like really digging in. And then July comes around and I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, my daughter's gone on the camping trip now. Now I'm still going to church, which is really crazy. And every July, my husband and I had this trip that we would take. We would go to, we would go to the brickyard in Indianapolis. We'd go and camp out there and then we'd go to the race and it was kind of a big it was a big drinking weekend where we'd go camp and drink and, you know, hang out with friends that we didn't see all year long, but we came and saw at this event. So we're, so I'm down there, and all of a sudden, it just hits me that I don't want to not know God. I want to know Jesus. I want, I want that. And so here it is all summer long. I've been going to church every single Sunday and Sunday night because, and Wednesday because that's how the youth group stuff works. And now I'm laying in a tent on an air mattress. I'm pretty sure it was raining because it rained every single time we went. And I am just, I'm just bawling my eyes out in this tent and I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I, this is what, this, yes, this is what I want. I want to follow you. And it was amazing. So the next Sunday, and go back to church. And it's, this church did communion every, the first Sunday of every month. And we get to the communion, and I just start weeping because I can't wait I can't wait and taking me back all during the summer I've been telling my pastor um you know because we've been having conversations I've been telling him like I feel like this is my last chance right this is the this is the crossroads I'm either going to be all in or I'm going to be 100% out this is it And I said, but I'm going to tell you right now, the one thing that I'm not going to do is I'm never going to preach a sermon. It's just not going to happen. I don't know why I feel this way. Well, this was before I was actually, you know, kind of converted. And he's like, well, here's the thing. I think before we get to the preaching part, we should probably get into the Christian part. I said, all right, that's fine. So for the next... For the next two years it's just me soaking in I mean, I'm I'm reading my Bible cover to cover, digging in, getting it all like I am just certain things have just kind of fallen away for me. Like I I can make a trucker blush with my uh, language. That was like one of my big rebellion things and um, it just turned off like a switch. And that was just one Example. I was always angry, like a very angry person, uh, and that started to back off quite a bit. Just like I knew I was being transformed. 2011 or so, I had started. I'd started blogging of all things. This was like a weird thing where I would get books in the mail and I would blog about, would, like, do a review and blog it. One of the uh, groups that I was blogging for. They actually gave away Women of Face conference tickets. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. So I, um, I picked up the tickets. They were free tickets. All I had to do was arrange my transportation in my hotel. Uh, and I'm like, who am I going to take with me? So my mother-in-law, of all people, wanted to go with me on this trip. So I'm like, OK, cool. So the two of us go down. She's not much of a dedicated person. But I'm like, OK, well, you know, let's give it a try. And we go down, we had a really good time. Stay. I'm sitting in this plenary session. I don't even remember who it was was, but I remember I'm sitting in this seat and I hear almost an audible voice. That's what I want you to do. And I knew it wasn't like get up in front of a bunch of women and, you know, and spill my guts. But it was it was a, a distinct call to preach and pastor. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's really adorable, God. But I've told you that that's not on the table, and we're not doing this. So if this is really something that you want me to do, you're going to have to really, really, you have to prove it to me. So I turned to my mother-in-law, and I said, I think God just called me to preach. And she's like, oh, I could totally see that. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Now, remember, all this time, I have repeatedly told my pastor, there is no way on earth I'm preaching, no way on earth I'm preaching, never going to preach, never going to preach. So he, he announces that Sunday, because like the next day is Sunday, the next morning, he announces that he's going the following week, he's going off to take his son to college. And, you know, so he's not going to be there. So after the service, I just kind of went up to him was like, oh, so who's filling in? And, you know, we've had this, those conversations before. And he goes, "Well, oh, i got so-and-so filled out for, you know, Sunday morning. He's like, I don't really have anybody picked out for Sunday night. He's like, do you want to do it? What is going on right now? Not tomorrow or not next week, but I think we should talk. And so then that was what really started the process. And for the next several years, I was an associate for him. I did the local license and we started through the district process and, and then I went for a year and I was an associate in, um, in Danville, Illinois and then uh, and then in two, 2017 I got um, I got my own church and my journey along the way, you know my husband's had further hospitalizations. We lost our house to a flood and uh, and my daughter was diagnosed with a pretty serious chronic illness. And all of those things, and all of those kind of moments, the the really interesting thing is then that we just know that that God is faithful, and we've seen it over and over and over again. No matter what the circumstances, God is faithful. God is faithful, God is faithful. And that's really the really the most beautiful part I think of the whole story is that is that God's faithfulness and God's grace are so
2: intertwined
1: in my story that I just walk around every day going I can't believe I get to do this. <laughs> and I can't
2: believe that you
1: you I used to be like way over there and you brought me to here. And not only did you bring me to here, but but you're walking with me the whole way, and it's just such an incredible, an incredible gift. I didn't think I
2: knew that about your salvation story before. It's a long story, so I don't tell it very often. So here we are. We are in this booth, a yes. clergy booth at M19, being representatives. Let's say there's a lady that comes up here who's like, I'm not really sure, but I think maybe God's calling me to do this.
1: Mm-hmm. What is one thing that you would tell them? I would give you the, I would give them the same advice that my pastor ultimately gave me back when I first saw that I had a call. You don't have to understand everything that that looks like right now, but what you do have to do is you have to keep saying yes. So every time God makes a request of you, say yes. Don't try to break down doors or punch through walls. But when God presents an opportunity to you, say yes. And say yes. And say yes. And if you do that, you will see exactly what you need to see.
2: Keep saying yes.
1: Keep saying yes. And that works
2: for us, too. We're already ordained. Keep saying yes. Now that you... Have a new life. (laughs) What do you like to do
1: for fun? Well, I mean, that's definitely top of the list. I I do actually. So I am a grandma, so I love playing with my grandbabies. But she's the most adorable child in the entire planet. Of course. Mostly I'm a reader, so I love just uh, reading. I don't, when I'm reading for fun, I read Stephen King. That's like my thing. That's fun. So, I did Stephen King in high yeah. school, and then like I've been reading Stephen King since I was about eight. So what's so. something you're reading now that you're really enjoying, yeah. or recently? So I recently just reread The Dead Zone, which is a really good Stephen King. That's book. It's an old one. Yeah, it is an old one. Uh, and then uh, I also I also yeah. like John Grisham. So I've been yeah. reading that, but um, I read water to wine someone gave me water to wine by brian Zond for christmas i haven't not read that one but i've just
2: i have someone who's just like you've got to read
1: brian Bond. yes uh and i have i really have enjoyed that it's been a very deep transformative type book but of all the workshops you've gone through so far and for M- m19 what's been your best one so far oh man Wow. Well, I, there's two. I I mean, I've only gone to two because, um, from workshop standpoint, the plenary sessions have just been amazing. But Dr. Poe, who was the speaker this morning in the plenary session, he also did a workshop. Uh, My church is in the process of, um, this big transition, right? I'm sitting in this plenary session and Dr. Po is, like, outlining the things that we've been thinking about for the last six months, but articulating them in a much, much better way. And so I was like, wow, I think I should go to his workshop. It's fantastic. I got so much really, really good stuff. I think the one, um, the one really big quote is, uh, sometimes the congregation just gets stuck on stupid. It's your job as a pastor to help them them learn to do better but, that's great yeah. i think i'm going to put that in the notes for
2: this episode help them They're, they get stuck on stupid help them get over stupid close this out anything else you want to say uh thank you i've yeah. never been
1: interviewed by anyone before that was kind of fun so and awesome. so. ask.
2: <laughs>